Welcome to Amplifying Leadership, a podcast where we discuss all things leadership. My name is Tara Lehman, and I'm a partner, coach, and consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services. For our leadership clients, I aim to provide effective leadership coaching, consulting, and workshops to help you build employees, retain great talent in your organizations, and help improve your bottom line. You can check it all out at amplifyingleadership.ca, which is a division of Twin Life Coaching and Business Services. Today, I am welcoming Pinky Kadiali, founder, CEO, and superstar of NetWomen. For those who do not know, I did join NetWomen just as they were coming to Canada and the U.S. late last year, and now I'm a part-time division director and facilitator for NetWomen in trucking and transportation. Thank you for joining me today, Pinky. I'm excited for our conversation. Of course, happy to be part of your NetWomen team. Ah, oh, thanks, Tara. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast now. Yes. <laughs> All right. So why don't we start with um, I, your leadership story, and especially as it's ever evolving right now into you have a much larger team. So why don't you kind of just walk us through how you got where you are today? Wow. Uh, where do I start? I think really it's going to be a long introduction so I'll keep it nice and uh, short for you Uh, (laughs) I started off uh, starting university studying optometry and didn't really love it it wasn't a passion of mine and what I would tended to do was attract patients in the testing room who would share their stories And what I noticed was, and what many of my colleagues noticed was that there was a space that was creating for people where they could come and share their stories. And what I found was that they weren't just talking about their eyes. Often they were telling me a lot of things that they wouldn't normally share with other people. And I started asking my friends, my optometry friends, does this happen for you? And they all said, no. (laughs) And so it tended to be me that got that. And I realized that even before that, um, at school and, you know, when I, when I was at school and friends would say, oh yeah, why don't you go and speak to Pinky? Because um, she, she'll tell you what to do. But often I never really used to say anything. I just used to be that sounding board where people could just talk and I would listen. And I think that's a skill that many coaches have to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really a skill that um, just felt like it was natural for me. And I just felt like it was something that I needed to continue. It It was a passion of mine. And it was something that I just did without even realizing it. And you know, when people say, oh, when you found your purpose, your, you know, your mission in your life, you'll know. And that was really the point in my life where I was like, right, I need to be a coach. I have to be a counselor. I have to be a therapist or something in that area where I was just naturally offering space. And so I, when I got divorced, it was my opportunity. Um, so often things happen in your life that get you from where you are now to where you need to be, but often they're Mm -hmm. a stumbling block. And for me, the divorce was a catapult where I used the pain and turned it into power. And I often talk about this when Mm -hmm. 
I when I speak with clients who have experienced trauma or pain or change in their life where they often don't know what to do with it and I really found that space where when I moved to Edinburgh so I moved like 330 miles north of where I'm from down in England and um, because I, I fell in love with Edinburgh and it was, you know, that was 14 years ago, would you believe? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, Time flies. It does. It, it does. Really does. <laughs> I haven't actually lived anywhere for this long before. So, you know, it's a big chunk of my life uh, being in the same place. And so I came up here with my son after my divorce. I met someone, fell in love with Edinburgh and didn't fall in love with him. So... <laughs> that ended I ended up being a single parent and um, it's been a really interesting journey for me I think firstly you never expect certain things in your life like Mm -hmm. I I have no one really expects to be divorced and a single parent do they and Mm -hmm. it happened so it happened to me and so I thought right I'm going to make use of this uh situation I've hit rock bottom I cannot go any further down the only way is up now and what am I going to do with my life so it was a real turning point in my life in many ways of not only finding my purpose my joy but also finding that I've got this gift that I've been using ever since so that was 14 years ago I really just went straight into like really went deep into personal Mm -hmm. development and it's changed my life for the better because it's made me realize that there's more to life than just you and there's more to life than you know just just the people that you are surrounding surrounding yourself with there's other connections like we're all connected and it seems like a really odd thing to be thinking about at the time but I think when you reflect on certain things and particularly during COVID I think it was Mm -hmm. a real kind of moment of wow we really are all in the same sea here we're all just swim trying not to sink yeah exactly trying to make the best of what we have and with what we've got and I mean, COVID really was the blessing for me, for net women and for the evolving time that we went through. It's just been incredible. The journey has been, I mean, I'm, I couldn't be more thankful for it, quite honestly, because it came along in a time where I just thought, this is the worst possible time to start a business. How on earth am I going to start a business in this time? But actually, it really was covid was the turning point so i started in february 2020 net women started because firstly because i was going to networking events which was surrounded by white males in gray suits mm, which i've been there <laughs> and i it used to drive me insane the number of times i stood at the door and just went right that's it i'm, I'm walking out of this place i'm not coming back and i i literally did that a few times at some networking events and so i created my own groups in Edinburgh and uh, Glasgow and then since that that's evolved and so it went from that 
in person in 2015, then became NetWomen Online in 2020. And then we adapted and grew and changed from the membership, from the coaching, the mentoring, the collaborations that we did every month to then what we have now, which is, you know, it's really exciting because we now yeah. have you and we have a team of incredible women who are way better than me. I feel the same way too sometimes. I think we all like bring yeah. something to the table that is, there's very strong women in this team that you're leading. Very. I mean, incredible women, better than me in many ways and in, in what I do. And, you know, I am here to support and lead, but leading to me is very much serving, right? All mm-hmm. I do is serve. You know, that that is my whole outlook on leadership. And if I can help my team get successful, that means I'm doing the right thing. And I'm do I often get asked that, you know, I some some of the team members have asked me that. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, what what is it that you see in a leader? What is it that you expect, you know, in a CEO? of a company and I think really for me it's you cannot stop serving because the the team that we have now is so strong and I have to nurture the strength and and help women and leaders grow to be their own leader Mm -hmm. and that is the only way that our business is going to be that big organization that I see it as and to help a million people in the next five years is a massive mission, massive undertaking, but actually, and in fact, it does scare me a little bit when I say it, but I actually, I love it. And I love the Mm -hmm. thought impacting so many people around the world. I love that too. I think, you know, that's why you and I got drawn together. We didn't actually meet the way most people have been meeting through job placements, et cetera. It was just a chance meeting and I, we resonated so well together. I also see myself as more of the servant leadership. Um, actually, one of my previous managers actually put that in a recommendation that I'm more service leadership based when it comes to leading. And I think you and I just resonated so well because of how similar we are in those types of things, not just because we're both coaches, but because we have similar personalities when it comes to people. And by the way, I have to commend you for using all your obstacles and all those walls put in your place and crushing through them, by the way. I think that is impressive and what everybody needs to do. Like if you hit rock bottom, remember, there's always a way up, around, under or through that wall in front of you. And that is a great way to lead as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you haven't experienced that in your life, then you must have been hiding under a rock. Because Exactly. Yeah, it happens. It happens at yeah. work. It happens at home. It's so I have to ask, because we, of course, work with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you're more focused on tech, me, trucking, transportation. What do you see are the biggest obstacles that you're facing when you are either coaching your your clients in the tech industry or, you know, doing some of these trainings? What do you see as the biggest obstacles for leadership right now? I mean, where that is a massive question. It's um, a loaded. It's very loaded. If you could pick a key aspect. How's that? 
Yeah, I think really for me, it's the first point of call, which is how do we speak to leaders in the way that they understand what DEI is often? Mm -hmm. I agree. Around, um, you know, there's that fear around DEI. Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Well, if we get involved in this, then do we have to do something else? And what is it that it entails? And there's a lot of mis misinformation miscommunication and also the fact that there's a fear around am I allowed to say this Mm -hmm. am I even allowed to do this and I think that's where net women comes in that's how we help organize in fact it's it's funny it's almost ironic that people are struggling with these things but they're not they're not actually acknowledging that they need the help to overcome them and Mm -hmm. that's can help in many ways to help them overcome those obstacles but I I think I think mainly all leaders it doesn't matter what industry or sector it is no matter what I mean you'll know this from trucking and transportation that Mm -hmm. you know every single leader out there the the majority of people we are speaking to are white men correct and it's actually being able to speak their language to be able to break through, to be able to talk to them in a way that they understand. And often, sadly, it really is just about the bottom line. And they're really not bothered about diversity, inclusion, or any of this, this sustainable future part of the ESG that many of the corporate social responsibility is, is put on them. Mm-hmm. It's not about any of that. It really is sometimes just a tick box, just to say that they've done it and to look good. And often websites, you look at websites and they've got people of color all over the website. And then you go deeper into the, the, the company and you see that actually it's just heavily male dominant still, mm-hmm. um, white male dominant. And and that's the, that's my concern is that, is that really the way that we want to work with companies? No, we actually want to make actual change. And that's what we've been talking about so much is mm-hmm. creates progress. Without action, we're not going to get any progress. So how are we going to bridge that gap, which is what NetWomen does, from where we are now, which is probably less than 10% females at the top, mm-hmm or people of color, which is even worse, mm-hmm. to the 50-50, which is really representative of the population, right? It's actually 51%, but let's just give that 1% and call it 50-50. Sure, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, how do we get there? And it's not just females <laughs> and males. I'm talking about all the underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's... It's that understanding. And I know there's younger leaders out there who are really passionate about this. And I think with higher education and what we're doing right now with NetWomen and speaking to universities and alumni and graduate mm-hmm. teams, et cetera, that will be a real door for us. I think so too. I agree. I think it's getting that younger generation into wanting to do, and you're right, they're going to be taught these things and they want these things. So that younger generation will eventually help. But in organ or sorry, industries like mine, 
which they're still an older generation. It takes a lot of energy to get those young people in and to want to do these things. So it's a challenge. I do want to come right back to something you said, though, about the checkbox. You know, it, it's just, you know, in Canada, we have some laws here that you have to meet certain things. Um, federally is a little bit stronger than, you know, when it comes to the provinces. But some companies have those policies and procedures out there so they can they can say that they're leading using DEI when really that's all they do. They write a policy procedure and hope somebody does something with it. Um, so I see that as also a concern when it comes to leadership that they may not be properly understanding, trained, maybe misunderstanding, as you mentioned earlier, as well when it comes to something like DEI. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot. There's a lot for, I get it, organizations have got a lot to deal with. Yeah, they do. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it, that they've got different priorities. They, you know, they've got, like you say, policies and procedures in place. It's all written down. But what are they actually doing? That's my always, I always come back to this. And, um, you know, my whole thing is, Unless you are doing, what what exactly are you changing? And that that is my whole thing around everything I do. I think so. In fact, it's one one of my whole um, categories for my team as well. I know that we've taken on a team of people, but I want a team that's going to be creating progress and action, which absolutely. is absolutely week on week we meet we talk about what we've done we hold each other accountable we support each other within other communities and groups that we have on the side we share our knowledge our ideas best practices and I think really that is the only way to create you know there's many other ways to do things like team meetings and team um, you know fun things and events which we haven't quite got there yet but we are hoping to do things like that, you know, <laughs> retreats where we can come together and we can have, you know, inspirational speakers and mm-hmm. people talk about wellness as a whole. I am absolutely sure that unless an organization looks at all of these areas and looks at wellness and, you know, all the things around coaching and about developing their leaders, mm-hmm. They're just going to be stuck in the dark ages and they're going to become dinosaurs. And that is the worry, isn't it? For all these Mm -hmm. industries, including trucking transportation, let's say that's been around for a a very long time. Um, And like you said, you're dealing with dinosaurs. You're dealing with people who speak a completely different language to these people that are coming out of university right now. And it's how can they then communicate their knowledge to the older generations and then how can the older generations communicate their language to the younger generations often that divide is so difficult very to... yeah like all those generations that are now in companies from the baby boomers working still to those young ones who are 18 coming out of school and how do you yeah how does how do they talk to each other so they actually appreciate and understand each other which brings me to the question of communication. I mean, communication is my favorite topic when it comes to leadership because I am open book. I'm 
open topic. I'm open door. I'm when I led, it was what do you need to know? I will find an answer. Um, so the listening aspect that you mentioned earlier is is the biggest piece of communication for me is that deep or active listening so that you can be understanding what other people need. They can feel included and welcome, which of course goes to what we do with NetWomen is that inclusivity part as well. What would you say is your key takeaway on communication for leaders? Um, I would say I would go with what you're saying about active listening. Mm -hmm. Active listening is a skill that as a leader, without that, you're not leading. You're not 100% listening. agree. I yeah. literally had a conversation with somebody last week, went for a coffee, and she's been in this company for six months. And she said to me, I have tried and tried. We all have tried. We talk to them at the board. They're just not listening. And now I want to leave. One of the major problems that companies have is that people just don't listen. Mm -hmm. 100%. Might, they might hear what you're saying, but they're not taking it in. They're not proactively then going, okay, we need to do something about this. Let's take some action and create some progress. There is no follow-on. Mm -hmm. Then the person who's voiced whatever they need to say at the meeting will feel like they are unheard, undervalued, yes. and unseen. And then they want to leave. Those three things are really dangerous for any company because they are people will just go if they are not being heard because then you immediately start feeling disrespected mm -hmm. and undervalued. So you're thinking, well, what's the point of me being here? Yep, exactly. And that is the problem we have when we're not speaking the same language. I don't mean English and Spanish. I mean English, but in a way that is not understood. So there's so many different ways of expressing yourself and saying something. And this is one of the classic things that I see between men and women. Um, mansplaining is my favorite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I've heard of it before too. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, women say something right at the table whatever it might be okay I think we need to do this because it will help this area of our communication and this will help our bottom line then the man will say it exact same thing but in a different way and then you get the executive of the board going yes that's a brilliant idea and then you're sitting there as a woman going I just literally said that yeah. five seconds ago exactly yeah yeah it's, it, it happens. It happens. And that's why we're here, right? We're here with NetWomen to change that and, and move things forward. And I, I love communication topic. I mean, it's massive. So maybe we'll, ha we'll have another conversation another time about other ones. But I'm wondering, what do you think would be your, your key takeaway for leaders today um, when it comes either to communication or Actually, let's do this. Why don't you let me know what the key takeaway is in 
you now have a brand new company with a brand new team that you're leading. What is your key takeaway for those people who are doing that or, or trying to do something like that, Pinky? It's a really good question. And you know what, I'm going to obviously listen to this again in six months time and listen to what I've said, because every, every minute counts right now, you know, whatever we're doing, it's just been so inspirational. I, I'm literally inspired every single day whenever I speak to one of my team. And that's, I think, one of the, I suppose, one of the reasons why I've taken you on. But also it reminds me every day how grateful I am to have so many inspiring women around me who champion each other. And actually, I feel like we're getting somewhere. I actually feel like we're moving this the, the needle on this, on DEI, on equity for women I know we're like apparently 136 years away from equality but the whole idea of creating that space for people and I really feel like I always lead with empathy uh, with love and with compassion and I know that they're so feminist those values but for me, that is the only way to sustain a real, a genuine socially impact driven business. And I, and I think that any business and any CEO, if you're starting a business, you just started it and you're thinking, you know, what are your values? What, you know, how, how do you place yourself as a leader? I, I would say that those three things, you need them. You need them to survive. You need them to adapt. You, they are the core for anything that you do. Because if you you can't do anything in life without those three things, um, I don't I don't know if that answers your question. I feel it, it like- absolutely does. I was just talking to someone yesterday about the fact that even leaders are human, and so having those emotions. So that they understand when communicating and you understand when you're trying to be understood. Having those emotions is important. Empathy is a huge one, right? Having those emotions must be there. We are human. We're not robots, right? So I agree with you on all of that, you know, and servant leadership also shows a lot of that. The empathy comes out, right? So I agree with you. Amazing. Yeah, we need more companies like that. Definitely. and I know that, you know, with Net Women, we're going to nudge that from 136 years a little bit closer to, you know, maybe we can't do it in 50, but we're going to nudge that back. I promise. That's what we're going to do. Yes. I love being part of the team. I love your leadership. You're very encouraging and you do listen so well to us. You know, if, if there's something that is a challenge, that team meeting we have is amazing to hear what was working for other people. And I appreciate that 100%. So I love having you on the team, Tom. Oh, thanks, Pinky. So why don't you let us know how people could get in touch with NetWomen in Europe and NetWomen in the US? There's a few ways. We are very present on LinkedIn. So you can follow our company page, NetWomen. 
We've also got, if you want more interaction and want to know more about us at a deeper level, we've got to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging group on LinkedIn as well, which you can find us on there. And also you can find out more about our membership on netwomen.co.co or you can find out about our DEI programs and what we're delivering and what Tara's doing as well on netwomen.us. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and all that great advice today. Thank you so much, Tara. It's been a pleasure. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you. Thank you for my listeners very much for your time today. And as always, I hope you found at least one key takeaway from today's episode. If you're in need of some leadership coaching, consulting, or workshops, or want to be a guest on this podcast, then please reach out to me at tara at twinlifecoaching.ca. To find out more about my leadership services, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca, a twin life coaching and business services division. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader or leader to be.